Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. How do you handle the loss of a child? Are after-death contacts really possible or is it all wish fulfillment by parents? What does such an experience do to your views about God? Well, hello and welcome to the 596th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm not Ben. He is uh, the producer tonight, so he's kind of busy, and I'm just doing this intro. And those pregnant questions came from me. I'm Paul, obviously. Uh, This evening, we have a rare appearance by a fiction writer who says that she actually experienced what she wrote about. We welcome your calls this evening, of course. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. 401-766-1240 locally here in our part of New England. Also, we will monitor Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for emails. Donna Mebbin grew up wanting to be two things, a mother and a writer. She became a mom after the birth of her first child, Jason. She became a writer after the death of her youngest child, Emma. She refers to her book, Tomorrow Comes, as, quote, reality fiction, unquote. Born in Pennsylvania, Donna is the daughter of a U.S. naval officer. She today lives in the suburbs of Chicago. and Her website is starshinegalaxy.com. So, Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, well, it's a delight to have you. So, let us start off with many questions. You start off, Dad. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, Donna, t- just start us off with the story of, of Emma. What, what, oh, I uh, lied. We have an announcement. Oh, we do? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little bit frazzled today. So, uh, just this is a, a, quick, a quick announcement for all of our listeners out in uh, North, North Smithfield. The city council meeting this evening is going to be moved from uh, Kendall Street School to the North Smithfield Middle School. That is tonight, 6.45 p.m. Uh, Good and Welfare is going to be at 7 p.m., and that is the meeting time. Okay, a uh, little public service there. Okay. Yes, it is. All right. Thank so you, now, now you may continue. Okay. Uh, so, Donna, start us off by telling us the story of Emma. Well, Emma was uh, pretty much a normal, normal everyday kid, uh, doing all the things that normal everyday kids do. She was my last born, and my, my mom always said that she was delighted that uh, she entered our family because finally I had my hands full with a child that was a lot like I was. <laughs> there is justice in the world, right? There is. She was a bit of a rebel and, and certainly one who... Um, who helped me understand some of the challenges that my parents had uh, had trying to be a, a good parents to me. I found but, that out uh, with Ben. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> okay, I won't. Uh, but at any rate, uh, at age 19, she had finished a year of college. She had just been accepted into the art program at University of Illinois, and she had just signed the lease for her first apartment. She had been with her sister to visit with me in London, uh, where I was on assignment for six months with my uh, work, which I work for a major financial institution here in Chicago, and had the good fortune to be in, uh, on assignment in London for six months. Mm. In the middle of that, both of my daughters came to see me, and we had a delightful time, one of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences that you, that you hope you're able to give your children. And uh, she came back alone because she had to, go to, she had to work for the summer, um, and uh, about eight days later, uh, I got a call from my husband that she had died in the middle of the night with no possible explanation. There was no sign that anything was wrong. Uh, we 
we have since learned that uh, there's a phenomenon called SADS, which is very similar to SIDS and INSIDS. Mm -hmm. And it pretty much just stands for Sudden Adult Death Syndrome, which is another way to say they have no idea why she died. It's exceptionally rare. It is. It is. Actually, it's not quite as rare as you might expect it is, but Hmm. it is certainly rarer in uh, young adults and uh, teenagers than it is in in infants. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. It was just a, a shock to all of us. Um, we had just Skyped with her the night before. One of her best friends had just come over, and, sh- and they were preparing for her to go to New York the next day. So she was borrowing all of Emma's clothes, and they had a wonderful time, ate pizza, you know, went out to the hot tub and spent some time with her brother, and, uh, and then didn't wake up in the morning. Wow. Um, uh, we realized it when she, she happened to work uh, for a small restaurant in town where my son also worked, and so she was never early for work, but she was never late, and so as she got, uh, as the day uh, wore on a little bit, he got more and more nervous and dispatched my husband to come home and check on her, and and, uh, he found her in in her bed. Yeah. As a parent, I I can't imagine such an experience, but what, what, Donna, were your spiritual beliefs before and after Emma, we don't use the word death on this show. We don't even believe that darn thing exists. We, we use the word translated, that that's us. It's, an old, it's oh, a really okay. ancient theological term. But what were your spiritual beliefs before and after? You know, I, I was uh, probably fairly typical of my generation. I'm in my <coughs> early 60s, and my parents... Well, we're the same ri- vintage then. Well, there you go. So yeah. maybe what I'm saying will resonate with you, or maybe it won't. But I was born and raised in a church. I was baptized. I went to Sunday school. I was confirmed. I went so far as to baptize and, and raise my own children in the church. And then life kind of took over. You know, you have the busy traveling soccer and and all sorts of things that occupy and compete for your time on Sundays. And I would say that the church, and specifically God, kind of got farther and farther away from the core of who I was. I would say that I probably nurtured my family. I was a professional. I I, uh, took care to have a strong relationship with my husband. But I let my relationship with the church and my spirituality kind of atrophy. Okay. What about afterward? So afterwards, it came front and center pretty quickly, uh, specifically around the question, where did, where did you go? I mean, she was a, Emma was a very, very vibrant personality, very, uh, very uh, the, the one who walks into a room and draws the attention and the one who's always, people are always vying for her uh, affection and her attention. She just was a, a great kid. And uh, it was inconceivable to me that she was here one minute and then simply gone. So mm. I, I struggled really to try to uh, imagine uh, a place where she could be. And it, it really, it, you know, I conjured up all of my uh, sort of old, vague concepts of what heaven might be like, and they didn't work for me. I couldn't imagine her trading her sort of, wait, what? For all-knowingness or, her, yeah. you know, her... Uh, her adventuresome spirit uh, for uh, kind of, you know, wandering around on streets paved of gold. So some of the old <laughs> biblical yeah. images that I had of what would happen afterwards didn't work for me. And so I, I actually sat down to, to capture my thoughts on the, the written page, and I created a place for her to live on, which I called after and initially looked an awful lot like, like 1400 Sherwood Lane, which is where we live in Geneva, Illinois. 
Now, it's interesting, uh, the, the physical nature of many of the concepts, and, and you've described one uh, here. The, the idea that um, heaven, whatever that may mean to people, is a spiritual place doesn't really jive with a lot of the physical concepts. I'll give you an example, Donna. Uh, I, I attended a funeral. And, and I, I studied in the seminary. I studied for the priesthood for many, many years. And uh, I almost made it, but they didn't like my paranormal work. So about a year, two years before ordination, zingo, out I went, right? Mm-hmm. However, um, so I get the theological education. So when I go to um, church services today, regardless of whatever denomination or sometimes Jewish, whatever, you know, you kind of take it all in. There was one funeral I attended, and the priest, uh, his eschatology, as we would call it, his, his, his uh, concept of the last things was a little weird to me. Because he said that this was the, the uh, wife of a woman, I should say the wife of a man uh, who's a friend of mine, and she had passed or translated. And he's going out, well, uh, she, she's undoubtedly uh, able to play golf now without the greens fees, and, and she can go to the clubhouse and eat all the cakes and stuff she wants without getting fat. And, all. and it, he was serious. So I, I, I said uh, at the end as I was, uh, you know, the, how the priest or minister or whatever sometimes stand out there and you shake the hand as they go, and I said, that is the, the uh, most interesting eschatology I've ever heard. And most people don't know that word, so he kind of looked at me. And, uh, but then again, I look at our concepts, which are very non-spiritualistic and are very much um, multiple worlds kind of, kind of thing, as in physics. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very possible this woman was you know, chowing down all the cakes and pies she wanted. You know, in, in, in some world where the laws of physics were a bit more merciful to our tummies, and it's very entirely possible that your daughter was precisely where you pictured her as being. It's yeah, entirely I, possible, as well you know, as in many other places. It's funny that you should uh, say that, because that's one of the things that I spent a lot of time really dwelling on, was sort of filling in the details of what she might be doing, what she might look like. Uh, and I initially hypothesized that she wouldn't be able to initially experience things that she had experienced here because she wouldn't quite know how to handle them. So uh, as far as the food goes, she was certainly able to eat some of her favorite foods, but she was not able to eat new foods, foods that she had never experienced before, at least initially. So there was a dimension of, there is a dimension in, in the book, and there's a dimension in the early phases of her afterlife experience that is very physical. Um, but then the experience that we have of her is not. It's really in things like uh, electrical uh, things, music, um, you know, uh, uh, stars, which we associate with her, and, and, and then sort of uh, coming into our paths at tea times in our lives. So, so there, I think what I hear you saying, and I would tend to agree, is there's all kinds of dimensions of the afterlife. And for me, I had to fill some of those in uh, in a way that I could understand initially, and in a way that I thought she could understand initially. But it's evolved over time for me and for the books that I'm writing. Well, I mean, in essence, all those things you just mentioned are, are still still physical things. Am I, am I mis- well, misinterpreting? True. No, 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 that's true. That, but it's not as though... So I picture Emma in after, is, is what I call it. I picture her as she was here. So there's a physical aspect to her. But the way I experience her here... There's not a physical, so I don't see her as a ghost. I don't see her as, as uh, the way that, I don't experience her the way I experienced her in any way, shape, or form when she was here. But I experience her through different forms of energy and different, you know, different things like that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that, that she takes different shapes 
for what I'm experiencing now, but when I picture her there, I picture her very much like she was here. So what do you, what do you mean by, by picturing, picturing her as a ghost? Like, explain what you mean by that. I find that a very interesting statement. So I, I have not experienced Emma, a shape of Emma, as a person or as a spirit or anything like that. I have experienced Emma through, uh, through music that she sends, through uh, you know, appearances of cardinals in very strange places at very strange times. I cardinals meaning her. the birds, not the clerics, right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yes, exactly. Not the baseball team either as a Chicago You're not living Cubs at the Vatican right now. <laughs> no. So I guess I mean that I don't, I, I don't feel as though um, she takes the, the shape on Earth that she took you know, like a, a physical shape. I think it's more energy is how I experience her. But when I think about what she's doing, I picture her doing those as having a physical body and a physical presence as she did here. Well, what, I, do you have any more questions? I mean, why not? I mean, it, we often say something, and I'm often questioned at lectures about this, because uh, our, our question uh, on the whole spiritualist approach to this is, you know, the, the idea that, that you... Uh, leave your body and you go to another life without your body that doesn't entirely make sense I mean I'm sure there are many parallel worlds where that may something like that may be the case or else we wouldn't be able to conceive it but I think in most places we really do have bodies other versions of them perhaps or extensions of what we have here because how, how can you really be you without your body you get what I'm saying I do and I think I think I'm agreeing with you. I think I'm saying the same thing. I don't know. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it sounds like you, you, you might you might be trying a little embarrassed about talking about the physical aspects where you don't have to be embarrassed about that on this show because we believe exactly <laughs> the same thing. We've seen it. Yeah. You know, I, I've yeah. had physical interactions with different you know, and uh, so it's entirely uh, far more believable I think than than the um, the idea uh, of the whole spiritual kind of thing. Do you think that the afterlife, Donna, is the same for everyone? I mean, it sounds like you don't, but that's one of the questions we wanted to ask. I don't, no. I mean, yeah. I think that for, to a certain extent, in fact, I'm working on something now called the rules, uh, Emma's Rules of After. And one of the things that she, she is getting sort of wiser as she's been there for a while. Interesting. It was four years in July uh, since, she, since she died. And I've written uh, another two books that are in oh. various stages of, of being published. But... Um, the, uh, she evolves over time. She becomes wiser. She becomes able to understand and experience things that she didn't experience here. Um, you know, she she uh, creates a a role for friends of hers that are greeters to people who have uh, who have died without having someone to actually uh, meet them uh, because they don't know anybody who's died. And 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 so she's she's really evolved over time and I think that that's something that uh, that is shaped by her and who she is other people evolve in different ways even people that she knows or experiences there have have very different experiences of what of what after is like than she did than she is yeah in, interesting idea the um, the whole notion that um, it, it is different uh, I mean, to us that doesn't seem to mean that we're not all united somehow but uh, different aspects of us seem to experience different things in different ways in different places in different times, all of which is kind of simultaneous in, in yeah, that Yeah, it's that interesting. Concept. One of the things that um, I hypothesized is that initially, and I think I got this right, at least for her, 
I, I don't think that I can really speak for for uh, other people who have died, but for her, one of the initial rules was that she couldn't really interact or make friends with people she didn't know. And one of the reasons for that was this very concept that they all had their own sort of orbits. I mean, I guess I don't know what the language is, but they all had sort of their own things that they were kind of working out and working through. And and she needed to be protected from that initially because she wouldn't understand it and she could get herself sort of caught up in something that was bigger than she was able to handle. Hmm. Uh, eventually she breaks through and she is able to make other friends, but uh, initially it was sort of as a protection for her, um, you know, to, to, to not get too crazily involved with other people's orbits or other people's spirits or, or spiritual lives because... I didn't feel that she would be prepared to really understand that or handle that. I'm thinking of a, of a concept that I kind of developed in a seminar. I was a pain in the neck as a seminarian. I asked questions nobody wanted to hear. But Sounds like it. Yeah, oh, I was awful. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. But, but for, and the topic in which, which we're uh, orbiting sort of right now, there's the idea that um, the, many of the concepts of heaven in popular understanding of religion which is not always the same as the doctrine and even the doctrine is that heaven is pretty much um, the same um, and that there is an idea that you know one is praising God and one is in the presence of God and that sort of thing and and, uh, you know that's fine but I always thought that the uh, the sameness would be fatal to the human spirit we need seemingly change and development you know in, in a way that such as you describe perhaps yeah let me give you two two things that make that makes me think of one is at, at emma's funeral my husband said she had become and that we could judge her life based on the 19 years that she was present on earth and i really couldn't accept that for much the same reason that i think you're saying i could not accept that she was done, that she was baked, you know, that she would never have new experiences. For one thing, I couldn't stand the fact that she would never find love. She dated a lot, but she had never truly loved somebody, a man, or been loved back by a man, and I couldn't stand that thought, that she would now never be able to experience something like that. So that's one thing, that sense of becoming, and I know that there are some religions who believe that, you know, you transcend, and again, I don't know the technical words, but that you become your best self, and, and I, I didn't really have a, a religious underpinning that kind of drove me in some of these things. It was really just sort of, in some ways, I felt that Emma was kind of my co-author because there were some things that really just kind of wrote it themselves. Mm. So that's one thing. The second thing is that, that uh, something that somebody told me when they read the book, it was a friend of a, a member of my family who had, uh, whose father, whose mother had divorced her father to marry her father's brother. And then her father, her biological father, committed suicide. Good heavens. And then her brother, her, her stepfather, the brother of this man who had committed suicide, died. And they, they you know, the family's story was that he died of a broken heart, that he had brought this onto his family and this, that, and the other thing. And one of the things that this woman said after she read Tomorrow Comes is, for the first time I can project and imagine my father and his brother resolving that you know that they would be able to 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 get past that which was just this horrific event that had happened in in all of their lives and really impacted the way she grew up and some of her beliefs and all that but this my 
book really helped her think past that to something that brought her great comfort to think that that that, that relationship could continue to evolve beyond the, the horrific way that it ended. Okay. All right, I, I'm thinking of uh, an almost comical situation that, that almost equates what you're saying. Um, there's an icon or an image of Saints Peter and Paul embracing. You see that in some of the Greek Orthodox churches and stuff. And uh, in, in ordinary life, Peter and Paul really don't like each other. <laughs> Actually, they could, I, I don't think they really stand each other. So everybody jokes, all the, the only time they must have done that was in heaven, right? Like embracing. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, it's kind of the yeah. same idea. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. So what do you mean the, uh, the book helped her get past it? The book helped me... Uh, 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 you said, how would I mean the book helped me get past it? Well, uh, her, specific, specifically Emma. It, it sounded like you were... Unless, unless I misheard you. I might have misheard you because it, the this, this, this speaker is very quiet. I, so I, I was speaking of a friend of a, of a friend who read the book, and it helped her get past. Oh, sorry, yes, of, I did miss yeah, you then. <laughs> sort of her horrific way that that her father and her stepfather had had abruptly okay, uh, ended their relationship. Yes. Now, now yeah. it makes sense. All right, so now but here's there the are something. So there is. So Emma was um, date raped shortly before she died. Oh, jeez. And oh, a no. big part of the second book was trying to come to terms with that and trying to uh, she eventually and this was very hard to write but she eventually forgives the person who did that to her and it's in part because she understands that that carrying that with her that that hatred and that sense of betrayal and all of that uh through eternity is not something that she chooses to so there are things that she gets past, that she works through, that she continues again to become and to evolve. But specifically, I was talking about a friend of a friend who, who had to resolve some, some very tragic situations in her own family. Okay. I wanted to ask you, too, uh, what's your concept of reincarnation? Do you believe in that at all? You know, I think that my belief system is really evolving. I, I would say that I... It, it, I can't at the moment reconcile reincarnation with where Emma is in my mind and I think in reality in terms of, of these books. Very sensible. Um, so it, would be the, it would be the kind of thing that I, I think over time I might feel the need to reconcile that, but I haven't really reconciled that at this point in time. Yeah, I, I respect that view. Um, we don't think it fits into the modern concept of, of time, that, that especially not in the general theory of relativity, because it, you know, it seems like everything is pretty much simultaneous, so you can't have yeah. past lives, you have no past, yeah. but I think that the experience is perhaps explained by the possibility of parallel lives, and a lot of yeah. hypnotists and regression therapists are recognizing that now, much to my surprise. So yeah, that's, it's uh, fascinating <laughs> that you, you talk about these parallel lives, because uh, I think I must be a little bit dense, but I didn't really realize that until probably midway through the second book, that yeah, it most really people don't. was a parallel life mm. that touched, that, that t there were touch points with this life, um, but in general, um, you know, she's, she's living, living a separate and parallel life to mine. Mm -hmm. we, uh, well, people have asked us, we often will get, requests for advice or whatever from people who's you know say how how do I deal with this loss of a loved one and it's the terrible events of losing a child too 
And uh, when my mother translated in 2011, we, we got a lot of emails saying, okay, wise guy, how do you deal with, you know, cause it's yeah. in so many yeah. words. And we'll say, I have a better relationship with her than ever. You know, it's not that she is still here with us, but that we are with her in many parallel lives because there are many, our life is not just here, at, at least in our experience. It's spread across many of these worlds. So is yours, so is hers. Emma's, you know, and and uh, so was everyone else's, and it's all one rather elegant kind of unity. And so, uh, we get what you're saying, and and the uh, the relationship is interesting. So that that's a lead into my next question, which is, uh, what what contacts have you believe you have had, uh, or have you had with with Emma uh, in the years uh, since her passing or her translation? Uh, you know, and I may have to use translation in my uh, Emma's Rules of After. I call it blooming. <laughs> yeah. But if you, but if you, but uh, I like I like that concept that you're saying a little bit better than than even blooming because that presupposes that it's better, and I don't know that it's better. I just think it's different. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No, <laughs> no, rate, I get you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, at any rate, so uh, it's, I was probably the last person in the family to really open myself up to these experiences. My sister. Uh, believes that Emma was at the funeral, and in a um, part of the book, uh, I describe that. And in fact, uh, the book, the structure of the book that has been published, goes back and forth between what we are experiencing on in before is what I call it, and what Emma is experiencing or could be experiencing in after. And then there are these points in between where she connects with us. It's interesting that you talk about us potentially even being part of her world, and I'll get to that in a second. But mm. the very first thing that anyone experienced was a cardinal that sat outside the church window the entire service. Hmm. Uh, and uh, in the book, I speculate that she got all dressed up, and she was all excited, and she got to the funeral, and she had turned into a bird, and she was really kind of upset about that because <laughs> well, she expected hey, I mean, to make sort know, of a dramatic know. entrance, and here she was sitting in a tree. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, the first, probably the first experience that we all had, and it was hard for me to uh, to uh, describe or explain away, was uh, we. Uh, this sounds kind of paints a picture of our family that's probably not accurate. But Emma, as I said, was a bit of the rebel child, and she had gotten a tattoo, uh, much to my displeasure and surprise, uh, before she was allowed to. So somehow she must have gotten a hold of some kind of. Um, you know, some kind of ID that, that enabled that. But at any rate, um, she was constantly after my oldest daughter, who is a Ph.D. psychologist and very professional and, you know, not a tattoo person, to get a tattoo because she thought it would be cool if the two of them had the same tattoo. And um, so the day after Emma's funeral, Sarah, my oldest daughter, said, well, I'm going to go get a tattoo. And... Uh, Long story short, we we all ended up convincing ourselves to go do that, and it was a pretty uh, hilarious experience. I mean, here the Mebbins came from, you know, sort of suburbia into a tattoo parlor that was pretty much <laughs> what you would expect, a kind of stereotypic tattoo parlor with a big uh, aquarium full of snakes, and, you know, there snakes. was... Uh, yeah, there okay. was a... Um, there was an X-rated movie on the on the DVD on the uh, TV in the waiting room, and there were people doing <laughs> shots, and there were kind of bikers coming in and out, and there we sat. So um, it, it kind of turned out that at the end of the the evening, which was hours and hours later, and by then we were all doing shots, and uh, you know the tattoo guy was going to get a 
uh, had asked my son to put a star tattoo on him because we were all getting star tattoos. Oh, blah, Donna, blah, blah, I'll, have to, I'll have to stop you there because we have to take our break, but we'll okay. be right, but we'll continue. Uh, okay. you're, li- you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful but kind of hot Blackstone River Valley today. And our guest, Donna Mebbin, very interesting conversation. We'll be right back. And I'm inviting you to join YWCA Rhode Island, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for YW She Shines Radio, a program that celebrates the aspirations and accomplishments of women. For more information, visit sheshines.org. Owen Radio, Owen Worldwide. All right, I wanted to remind you of some of the charities Ben and I have adopted on the show here. There are a number of them you can see at BehindTheParanormal.com, our website, show website, and NewEnglandGhosts.com, our main website. And these include Builders Helping Heroes, a local uh, charity of the Rhode Island Builders Association. They actually have built a wonderful home for a veteran, a Marine veteran, wounded in the war in Afghanistan uh, out in Burlville, Rhode Island, in our listening area. Uh, also Canadian Veterans Advocacy for our friends to the north. And a lot of other uh, very good charities you'll see, especially out in Los Angeles, you have Youth Mentoring Connection. Tony Larray out there doing great things for for at-risk youth, youthmentoring.org. So let's get back to our conversation with Donna. And Donna, before we burn up this hour, which we're doing rather quickly, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your books and your website and where people can get them and find out more about you. Okay. Uh, my book is available on all of the usual suspects, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It's available both in print format and Kindle format. Uh, it's also available, and, and a number of people take advantage of this through our website, which is called Starshine Galaxy, starshinegalaxy.com. They take advantage of it because oftentimes they have someone special that they want to give the book to, someone who's perhaps gone through a loss, not necessarily the loss of a child, but you mentioned the loss of your mom. I think any loss, uh, loss of a job even, can be very redefining to people. And so uh, I will... Uh, you know, put a little personal note in, in the book if people want me to do that and want to get it then through our website, starshinegalaxy.com. Okay. Let me ask you a difficult question, and we ask everyone this uh, who has had experiences like this. When you feel you are in touch with Emma, how do you know it's really Emma? A, a lot of people don't, because a lot of people don't question it. And there, there are a lot of parasites and tricksters out there in the multiverse who will want to eat and they'll push your buttons in order to do it. What say you to all that? How do you know it's Emma? I think I started to say before break that I felt as though I was probably the most skeptical one in our family. I think others opened themselves up to experiences with her far more easily than I did. And for me it was really just a simple question of the number of pebbles that went on to that side of the scale. You know, I would say that Many of the early ones you could explain away. I, I wanted to believe, but for the very reason you just suggested, I, I was resistant to it because I was afraid if I began to believe, then somebody would come along and disprove me. But there were so many things that happened, so many things that were so hard to explain that I think over time it was just a sheer number of, of uh, instances like that. And then, of course, people all came to me telling me about uh, their experiences, and that started to put more and more pebbles on that side of the scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, on my best days, I believe it absolutely. There are still times that I question it, um, but, you know, I read a quote the other day that really struck me, and it basically was uh, some fellow that I had never heard of, but he, 
at, named Robert Brault, and he said, you know, if you knew that despair and hope took you to the same place, which would you choose? <laughs> and yeah. so part of, me is, part of me is saying, you know, uh, there is, why not? You know, why not? There are certainly far stranger things that happen in life than uh, the energy of someone who's, who's, gone, who's gone from this plane connecting with my energy. And so uh, I would say in, in large part it's the number of times that something has happened and then it's the, it's the sort of uh, why wouldn't it be? I mean, there's so many weird things that you can't explain. Why not explain them that way? That sounds perhaps a little weak compared to some of the things that you probably have found. But for me, it, it, it became more a sense of why not than constantly questioning why. You hmm. know, why, why, how could this be? Yeah, well, you're the only one who can answer the questions, ultimately. Exactly. Uh, we had um, one fellow who had written a, a very interesting book, and he had had experiences with his son connected with the number 41 and all these strange things. I, I even had stuff happen to me, because I was the publisher of the book at the time. I, uh, we have a media company that was doing that at the time, and, and it was very interesting. But the uh, the whole idea that he had was that, and, and I think there's merit to this, that a parent somehow knows. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of the state of existence of the child, the parent somehow knows. There's always some kind of a connection. I respect that. So I'm sure you have a, a fact that's part of the, yeah, the, uh, I think that's the mix and I think in your situation. Uh, you know, dreams are an interesting thing. I haven't had a lot. I, I, let, me, let me back up and say one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons that I initially didn't want to believe that this is really connection with Emma was because I thought, well, gosh, if she can do it, why doesn't she do it all the time? You know, <laughs> if yeah. she can be with me in my dreams, and she knows how important that is to me and how comforting that is to me, why doesn't she do it all the time? So in the book, I, I, I try to understand that as well. I try to speculate that it's a bit of an energy drain for her and that she, uh, you know, that, that, that just some various reasons. Well, uh, even the simple fact that a 19-year-old doesn't want to be with her mom all the time. I mean, let's face it, she didn't really want to be with me all the time when she was here. So I can't imagine that she would want to be with me all the time if she's living some kind of parallel uh, parallel uh, in some kind of parallel world. Yeah. But I would say the dream business are really easy to uh, to know because they're so different. I think if anybody has ever had a visit in a dream, they know. You just know it's so different from any other dream. It's so uh, the, the, the reality is just so heightened. And uh, I've had many dreams of Emma where she, I, it's been as though she's still been alive. But then I've had a few of Emma where she knows she's dead. I know she's dead, and we're doing something together that it's helping somebody else. Or, now, maybe that's a situation where I'm in her world, like you just explained. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah I think that that's entirely possible. Uh, could very well be. But uh, And then again, as I said, just the sheer number of times, there was a, a uh, when, when Emma, of course, always had the latest, greatest phone. And so when she died, we set up a corner where we had some of her favorite things, including her phone, and her sister, Sarah, came home one day and said... <clears throat> can I have Emma's phone? Um, you know, mine is three versions before that, and, you know, I kind of like to have the latest grace, phone. I said, sure, you can take it, and it immediately stopped working. <laughs> uh, you know, it had uh, the light shone all the time, and uh, it would hang up on, get very hot on her cheek and hang up on, uh, during calls, and so we were speculating one evening, my daughter at the time was in Washington, D.C., and I was at the dinner table with my cell phone on the side next to me, 
and I was on the, the landline talking with her. And we're speculating, well, what does it mean? I, I thought it meant that Emma was kind of irritated and she wanted her phone back, and she speculated that it was something that Emma was very comforting and that Emma was trying to tell her that she was there. Well, while we were on the phone, one of Emma's favorite YouTubes came on, and it was something I had always hated. It was called uh, Charlie the Unicorn, and I can't imagine that either of you would have oh, ever I like heard Charlie it. the Unicorn. Oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> so you know that... Uh, <laughs> that it, it either love it or you hate it. I hated it. <laughs> yeah. I Not the sort of thing I'd usually go in for, but uh, when I've seen it, I, but I get your point. Yeah. So it came on my phone. I mean, it just came on. And Sarah, my daughter said, what in the, is that Charlie the Unicorn? And I said, yes, and Emma knew how much I hated it. So then, of course, we got into, well, what does that mean? Does yeah. that mean I'm wrong because I hated that Charlie the Unicorn? Well, does that mean I'm right? You know, there, there are certain energies that, you know, one of the things we question is the idea that the assumption, there are so many assumptions, people have no idea why they assume these things, but that as soon as someone quote-unquote dies or quote passes over whatever t puny term you want to use for something our language really can't explain that they automatically know everything I mean there, there's no evidence of that at all and then as a matter of fact if, if things that things occur that are as unnatural as as, as that that I uh, that's when I start to question so and at the same time sort of a uh, the other side of the coin from that is that a lot of these phenomena for example, that I've witnessed in, in poltergeist cases, I don't think it's actually anybody actually doing it sometimes. I think the energies that are present uh, when these world intersects are occurring, which they must be in your case because you're having these experiences here and there, uh, electrical things happen and things having to do with water happen, all right, oddly enough. So maybe there was no significance in the sense that Emma was doing what you mentioned with the phone. It could be, mm -hmm. but I mean, I just don't think we become all-powerful in that situation, mm -hmm. and I think that just the energies that are permitting, th th that occur, that are byproducts of the world intersects will cause things like that, because I've seen it happen. That's my opinion, but I don't know. Um, you know, it's interesting, because one of the things that, that, I, uh, that I, in the book, is that Emma really does have to try to learn how to do those things. The first time it... I started talking about the tattoo parlor. The, the, what happened was that all this uh, heavy metal music that was playing suddenly stopped, and there was this lovely song about the death of a young girl uh, <laughs> who was still, you know, still with us. And the tattoo people were sort of running around saying, what, "Where's that coming from?" You know, and our family all paused. I said, "Go find out on Spotify. See if you can figure out what that song is." And we never did figure it out. But but in the next chapter, Emma was shocked that she was able to do that. You know, she was like, did I do that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, well, so it's entirely possible that you might have done it well, or your family you together because uh, you yeah. know, the idea that, that we just sit there like lumps and experience paranormal phenomena, I've never found that to be true. We participate in it okay. and we contribute our own, own energies to it from what I've seen. Oh. So too bad you wrote the book already. You should have talked to me first, right? Uh, well, you know, so. I still have I got the opportunity to change the, the third book, so I'll have to... <laughs> no, I'm sure it's got... Unfortunately, we, we haven't is. seen it, so I, I'm a bit at a, yeah. at a loss on that. But uh, we always ask this, Donna, of, of just about anybody who's had experiences like this. Have you ever had, or any in your, anyone in your family that you know of, had other paranormal experiences, even if it's seemingly unrelated, UFO sightings or anything like that through, at any point in your life that you are aware of or can remember? You know, not UFO sightings, but uh, the uh, sense of um, 
you know, knowing that someone has died before they're actually con- uh, before they're actually told that someone has died. Yeah, that My counts. grandfather uh, experienced uh, his his sister came into his room and he said, "Lito, good lord, what are you doing here?" And she said, "I just wanted to let you know that I was all right." And the next morning, he got a call that you know that she had died. So uh, I would say experiences like that that similar to the experiences that I've had, but I would say not that I know of. Uh, you know, UFO sighting or things like that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Where's the ghost uh, dog? Yeah, there? The, the dog yeah. just the dog just had a sighting. So he disagreed with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. He disagreed with me. Um, but I can. I'll. Uh, that's something I'll. I'll bring up the next family outing. Good. Sure. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> any of you guys ever ever had any UFO sightings or anything? Well, it like could that? be. It doesn't have to be UFOs. It could be any, any other paranormal experience at all. Even if you know. Uh, uh, ashtray or dish moved across the table by itself. Any, anything of that kind, you know, so we find that yeah. interesting. Yeah, that is one of the things that um, happened to me when I was writing the book. Is I have a picture of all of my children on my desk where I was doing the writing, and uh, the picture of Emma kept moving. <laughs> well, there you go. That's interesting. Although that does seem to be connected with the Emma uh, situation. It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, what do you say to skeptics who just say, "Well, this is just wish fulfillment"? Uh. Well, so far nobody's really said that to me. I don't know if they uh, have, uh, I think perhaps people that would be inclined to say that to me are just so happy that I've found a way to feel okay about this this terrible experience mm. in my life. No, you seem life. very much at peace. Perhaps they, yeah, perhaps they just don't want to, you know, shake that particular tree. Um, I think perhaps because I have not been... A zealot. I mean, I haven't been out there saying, "Hey, everybody, guess what? I want to, you know, talk to you about the last time my daughter visited me, or whatever." More often than not, people say that uh, I, what I say and how I say it, is so authentic that it really has helped them uh, start to shape their beliefs in a different way. Okay. All right. What What about? Um, f- well, the idea of, of the the fiction venue for expressing this and we very seldom have fiction authors on the show uh, wh- why did you choose to express this experience through fiction rather than nonfiction? well because initially I was not as wedded to the concept that Emma was was still with us I I uh, I really wanted to uh, the very first line of the book is Emma opened her eyes and it really was the day she didn't open her eyes. I speculated that she did and what would she have seen and what would it have felt like. And and so, um, you know, I call it reality fiction because I think over time the Emma part has become more and more real to me. Uh, the uh, Initially, the part that was, I, I think I shared in the beginning that the structure of the book is every other chapter is what mm-hmm. Emma could be experiencing and the rest is what we really are experiencing, including all these uh, connections and, and all of that. Uh, and over time, I would say that the fictional part has become more and more real to me. But initially, um, I had to sort of release myself. I had to give myself permission to have it be made up, or I think I, I think I wouldn't have. Uh, I, I don't think I would have let myself embellish it with all the details that I did if I had if I had really tried to just capture what was real to me at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, I understand. Yeah, no, no, it, it, it's a, an excellent venue uh, for the right stories and, and the right things and that kind of thing. And uh, very often I, I've been 
Someone has suggested to me that I put some of my cases in, or our cases, Ben's and mine, in fictional form, but then other people say, well, people will just say, oh, this is a fiction writer, and then other people say, well, it's a, it's a better venue than it is nonfiction because it won't read like a news story. Yeah, but and I would say, again, I think that the, the, probably the nice thing that anybody said about the, my book is that it's different from other books because in other books about death or dying or paranormal experiences yeah. or whatever, it's as though people are trying to convince you that something is true. And in my case, I think in this book, I think instead people come to want it to be true. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I, that, to me, is a very... Um, very affirming and very nice compliment that uh, I, I'm not, I don't have a, and I'm not oh, suggesting yeah. that you do, but I don't have a soapbox that I need or want to be on. I simply yeah. want to feel, to find a way to feel okay with a big piece of my life being pulled out of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that anybody who's lost, uh, lost someone they love desperately uh, wants that. And this is a way my experience is a way that people can potentially open themselves up to that kind of experience, and it would be could be comforting. Okay, All right, I believe we have a caller, and I'll have to if I could just ask your patience for a moment, Donna. Uh, sure. We have a caller, I think, on another subject. So, okay, okay, sure. uh, we have uh, Willie from the uh, Greater New England UFO Conference. Yeah, we have Willie Marie, Susan Spooler. Oh, Susan, yeah, you didn't sound like Willie, so. <laughs> no. Yeah. Hey, Paul, how are you? Oh, pretty good, Willie. Yeah, so please um, tell us about the festival. We're going to be, um, we'll just take a break from our discussion with Donna and, and uh, let you folks talk about the festival and that's uh, coming up in Lemonster, Mass. Yep, uh, on Saturday, October 17th, the price is $25. Website is newenglandufo.com. And I happen to be up here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, with Roxy Wicker, who is one of our speakers. So... Roxy, I'm going to have you let people know what you'll be talking about here. Hang on. So I'm so excited to be talking about UFO occurrences here in the state of New Hampshire outside of the Hill story. We have some great stories from uh, the town called Whitfield, New Hampshire, where they actually were getting uh, visions of UFOs across their fields, leaving marks behind. So there's a, a lot of stories up here in New Hampshire I think people will be surprised to hear about. That sounds course, great. Washington has so many stories going back to the 1800s. I'm not sure if you're even aware that coming up, um, they actually found a photograph of what appears to be a UFO flying over Mount Washington in the 1870s. Really? I'm not aware. I wasn't aware of that. That's great. Yep. So that's one of the things we're going to be talking about that we're so excited to bring to this conference. And there's going to be all kinds of experts there in the field of UFOs. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that will be, uh, that's October 17th. Okay, we've been announcing the wrong date. You think we know because we're speakers ourselves, for heaven's sake. Uh, yeah, Greater New England UFO Conference, Lemonster, Mass. And uh, other po- uh, Roxy will be there. Roxy, I believe we met you at uh, one or two of the events last year. And um, Richard Dolan, correct me if I'm wrong, Richard Dolan, Peter Robbins, Mark D'Antonio, uh, William J. Hall, who's new. Yeah. And, uh, and it's going to be, a, is it a uh, two-day event or one-day event? It's a one. It's one day. It's a one day event. Okay. Um, Ray Hernandez will be coming up from uh, Miami. Ray Hernandez, yeah, yeah. And, and um, Dan Harzian, the, the director of Mufon, the executive director of Mufon, is coming out from California. 
Excellent, excellent. That, that'll be great. Well, we're going to be. Spe- I haven't told you this yet. We're going to be speaking on um, alien versus demon, which is which, oh. and that kind of thing. Really? There have been a lot of crossed eyes over some of this stuff, and I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, and so I thought that might be an interesting topic for us. So uh, tell us again. Yeah, well, uh, great. Uh, tell us again the, the date and location. Saturday, October seventeenth of this year, twenty fifteen, in Lemonster, Massachusetts. And again, the website is newenglandufo.com. We'll be adding more information. You'll be able to buy your tickets online. We'll be make, we're making arrangements with local hotels to get to get discounted prices if you plan to stay overnight as well. Great, and that takes place at the city hall. And there'll be there is a, is a link. City hall. Yep, there is yep, a Lemons there is a city link. Hall. Yeah. Uh, there, there is a link on uh, both our sites as well to that. So, so thank you very much, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you there. We we'll look forward to having you, Paul. Great to talk to you. Thank you for having us on your show. Oh, anytime. Thanks a lot, Paul. Okay, take care, Willie. Roxy, too. Bye, bye. All right, that that will we'll give that information a little bit uh, later in our announcement. So back to Donna. Are you still there? I still am. Okay, good. Donna, what advice would you give to someone who loses a child? I think I, you know, I've, I've done a number of shows on balancing living and mourning, and so uh, the advice I give under that uh, umbrella topic is really around trying to find pieces of yourself that uh, that you recognize. So it, you are so shattered when you lose a child. Um, it's so not, you know, I, I had to, uh, I was interested in your tagline, everything you know is wrong. I felt as though everything I knew and had known for 59 years was just, turned on its head mm-hmm. um, I, uh, so I think that uh, my advice around uh, trying to find uh, find yourself again is you know find pieces of yourself that, that are still there uh, when I when Emma first died even though I had three other children I felt like I wasn't really I wasn't even a mother anymore mm-hmm. I mean I had just been so uh, so devastated by this loss uh, I would say you know find a reason to laugh back to the tattoo parlor we we laughed hard that night. I mean, we cried a lot too, but uh, it was just so surreal that uh, that we actually found found the laughter again, and that that reminded me of something that was very important in my life. Um, I would say that probably the most profound advice that I would give is really open yourself up to possibilities. Um, there's really no good reason not to believe that your child is absolutely still with you in some different way that you may not initially recognize but if you open yourself up to the possibility uh, only good things can happen now, okay. I'm, I'm disappointed to hear that you're going to talk about demons because I know that there are some spiritual some spiritual aspects that are not particularly positive but I think the relationship between a mother and her child is special as you said earlier in yeah. the show yeah. and to open yourself up to that possibility that she very much uh, that your child very much does live on in some important way is is my best advice, probably my most profound advice. Let okay. yourself believe in that possibility. Yeah. Okay. I certainly accept that. Uh, but we do stress caution at the same time and, and good sense and feet on the ground kind of approach, you know. Yeah, I have not, for example, been to a, um, I don't know, the psychic or a medium. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. I know people that have, and in fact, there's a stranger I know who has become a friend of mine who lost her child, and one of the things that she was very upset about was my initial, she read my book, and the initial speculation that uh, 
that Emma wasn't able to interact with anybody initially that she hadn't already known in her previous life on Earth. And uh, that was very upsetting to this woman because her child didn't know anybody. Uh, her father, her, this woman's father, Kelsey's grandfather, had died while Kelsey was still, while, while she was pregnant with Kelsey. And so uh, I'll make this short because I know we're running out of time, but she went to a psychic. And she, so, so Emma does break through and does make friends with other people. And uh, it's a big, uh, probably a high point in the book. And when my this woman got to that point, she was so relieved because that meant that Kelsey wouldn't be lonely, she'd have friends, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this, she went to a medium and she kind of um, called me and shared with me that the medium had described her daughter and described what had happened and how she had died and this, that, and the other thing. And she said that she was laughing and one of the things that she was laughing about was she said, Mom, how could you think that Grandpa wouldn't know me? Yeah. You know, that, that I wouldn't know Grandpa and that he wouldn't know me. I'm afraid I'll, ha I'll have to stop you there, Donna. We're out of time. But uh, one more time, very quickly, your book and website. So the book is Tomorrow Comes, an Emma story. If you look it up online, you probably should have, add my name, Donna Mebbin. Uh, so it's Tomorrow Comes, and my last name is spelled Emma and Mary, E, B as in boy, A and E, looks like me, Bane. Uh, and my website is Tomorrow, is, I'm sorry, StarshineGalaxy.com, but the book can be gotten on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and all of the really online booksellers. Great. Donna, thanks for a very interesting conversation, and uh, thanks also for your courage. Thank you. I okay. appreciate your time. Very good. Have a great night. Okay. Thank now, you. we'll begin our announcements, quite a few of them. Oh, of course. On Friday, August 21st, Ben and I will be at the Barnes and Noble booksellers in Milford, Connecticut, for the official release of William J. Hall's new book, The Haunted House Diaries. That's about the Litchfield County, Connecticut paranormal flat Ben and I started investigating in 2005 and that has been growing ever since. That's at 7 p.m. and Bill Hall is a well-known guest on the show. He'll be in uh, next week, as a matter of fact. Oh, lovely, so, lovely. So the address of that is uh, 1375 Boston Post Road, Milford, Connecticut. If you're anywhere in southern New England, we'll see you there. Already on Saturday, September 5th, we're speaking once again at the Exeter UFO Festival. In Exeter, New Hampshire, and uh, the fun, the very fun townwide event is organized by the Kiwanis Club. Uh, that is to benefit local children's charities. Other speakers will include the great Stanton Friedman, along with uh, Richard Dolan, uh, Kathleen Martin, Bob Schroeder, and Jennifer Stein. You can find out more about that. You can visit www.exeterufofestival.org. And this is a lot of fun. The whole town gets involved. It's they even have a dog show. They even have a, a, do a dog <laughs> costume contest. It's really great. It's a lot of fun. So anyway, September 5th in Exeter. Uh, on Thursday, September 24th, we will join the Haunted House Diaries author, William J. Hall, whom we just mentioned, for a joint book event at Hank's Restaurant in Brooklyn, Connecticut, right on the edge of our listening area. Hank's has great food. It'll be a lot of fun. It's a free event, although the food is extra. Uh, that'll be at 6.30 p.m. September 24th, Thursday. Okie doke. On Saturday, October 17th, uh, we'll once again be speaking at the uh, Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Lemister, Massachusetts, as you just heard about. Other speakers will include some renowned experts familiar to our listeners, including Richard Dolan, Peter Robbins, Mark D'Antonio, and William J. Hall. He seems to be in every single announcement we have tonight, <laughs> uh, whose new book on the Litchfield County, Connecticut case that we've been uh, talking about so much will be released by then. You can visit www. Uh, that's susanandtom.com slash UFO. Or newenglandufo.com. Well, either way, I just checked that link yeah. works, too. Yeah, okay, good. But you can also find all those links at our website. Yeah. And you can visit our show website for more than just links. That's uh, behindtheparanormal.com, where you can find nearly 600 free podcasts of past shows from both ON 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. 
And you can find my books on Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, Barnes & Noble Nook, and all those great places. If you, but if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I'll be happy to sign them for you, and you'll help us keep all those podcasts free. Also on our websites, you'll find direct links to the charities we mentioned and several others. Uh, Youth Mentoring Connection, particularly in Los Angeles, check that out. And there are two new books just released by Global Communications, or at least a few months ago, Tim, Timothy Green Beckley's publishing company, that would be of interest to our listeners. One is The Bell Witch Project, which contains that story and a bunch of other information about historic paranormal cases here in New England, including the 17th century Specter Leaguers of Massachusetts, which you've probably never heard of, and 18th or 19th century Vampire Hysteria in Rhode Island and Connecticut, a contribution by, by yours truly. Of special interest to folks here on ON 1240, and our listening area is another Tim Beckley book, UFO Repeaters, with a big chapter about our old friend Joe Ferrier. Alrighty, so next Monday, July 27th, uh, we'll welcome back author William J. Hall and investigator Shane Searway uh, for another panel discussion on the Litchfield, uh, Connecticut paranormal flap and the subject of the book, or that is the, uh, the Haunted House Diaries, about to be released by New Page Books. And this is about all the time we have, so we'll see you next week. Okay, well, we thank you for joining us on a great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.